Our scripture reading today is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 18. Passage is a little bit long, so I ask you to, if you have your Bibles, to please do read along. The sermon is entitled, Jesus' Sacrifice Once for All. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, could no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of, forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. May the Lord bless us in the reading of this word. We come here today to worship Jesus. We come here today to worship the one who sacrificed his life for us. Now, you might ask the question, why did Jesus have to die for me? And you might ask the question, how can someone's death change the course of my life? It's a good question to ask. Unfortunately for many of us, we have known people who have passed away. Many of you have been to funerals. And when someone passes away, you understand that they affected your life to an extent. Perhaps it's a loved one. Perhaps it's a hero or heroine of yours. Someone has passed away. And you know that that has an impact on you. But you also know that that impact 
it's not long-lasting. That impact doesn't really change your life completely in a 180-degree fashion. And that sacrifice doesn't ease your consciousness, if, if anything at all, about your sins or about the way you're living. And so it's a good question. How can someone who has died 2,000 plus years ago, how can that have an effect on my life today? The story in Hebrews here recalls what happened in Israel in terms of sacrifices. Jesus was preparing, or God was preparing a way for you to understand why Jesus' sacrifice matters. In the Old Testament, God established the holy priesthood. And these priests were to offer sacrifices on a daily basis for the sins of the people. And they would bring bulls, and they would bring sheep, and they would bring lambs. They would bring assortment of animals and assortment of grains to sacrifice to God. And by that blood that was spilled, the people start to see and understand that in order for me to be forgiven, something needed to die. Something needed to pay the penalty of death for me to live. And so these priests were set up um, and, and given this assignment. And they were given a special place and a special relationship with God to come near the altar to make sacrifice day after day after day. And what they started to realize is in order for my conscience to be made clear, in order for me and my heart to be made whole, something needed to be sacrificed. Something needed to die. Something needed to pay the price of my iniquity. Something needed to be punished. And this is what God was teaching Israel. And this is something that's not simply um, something that's been revealed to us in Scripture. But if we look at all the cultures and all the religions that have, have come up, we see that sacrifice is an important part of being made whole. We sacrifice perhaps other, other religions sacrifice perhaps other animals, but we also sacrifice ourselves. We sacrifice family. We sacrifice in our world today, family, time, energy. One thing in order to gain something else. But God is showing us here that something needed to be sacrificed. And this something that needed to be sacrificed was sacrificed over and over and over again. Now Hebrews teaches us something different. When Jesus came, Jesus says, I've come to abolish or to get rid of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. And I've come to establish something new. That all, we, all I need to do is sacrifice myself once for all 
and my sacrifice is sufficient. It's enough for all the sins of all the people that will come to know me. No longer do we have to sacrifice bulls. No longer do we have to sacrifice sheep. No longer do you have to sacrifice anything else. I, Jesus, have died for you, died for sin once for all. In the same stroke, Jesus himself, as the priest, offered the sacrifice, and at the same time was the sacrifice itself as he offered up his body. The perfect priest, the perfect sacrifice. This is what Jesus accomplished for you and for me. Now, I hope many of you here are, are, are hearing this and say, I know this already, Pastor Young. I, I know this. This is something that I learned. And, and if you did, praise the Lord. But it is something that we have to understand fully and, and continue to defend. There's two sort of applications that I want to, to sort of uh, to discuss in, in a relatively qu quick manner. First, I want to contrast what it is that Hebrews teaches and, and Jesus' sacrifice once for all to what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. And this is important for us to know. Now, if you know someone who's Catholic or you yourself have come from a Catholic background, I want you to treat every Catholic person you know with the utmost respect. I want you to love them. I want you to share the gospel with them just as we share the gospel with one another. I want you to see them as someone made in God's image. I want you to see them as someone who is striving to know God, striving to know Jesus. However, in order for us to help our Roman Catholic friends, we have to understand what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. What is their theology? And we have to help them to see that what they've been taught is contrary to the Word of God. It's like, wow, Pastor, you're... You're going to do this on the pulpit? Yes, I am. For I want you to know and to see that there's a reason why the Reformation happened. There's a reason why we are a Presbyterian church. There's a reason why the Word of God stands and stands alone. Now, today we have Communion Sunday. And what's very unique about Communion Sunday is that this communion is not a sacrifice of Jesus, is it? When I say the words of institution, the bread becomes the body of Christ, the wine becomes the blood of Christ, but it doesn't actually become the, the body. It's not actually the blood of Jesus. This is sort of a commemoration, if I can use that term loosely. We are here to remember what Jesus did on the cross when he died for our sins once for all. We are here to say, listen, when we take of this, we are blessed through the Holy Spirit in remembering and having the spiritual blessing of knowing Jesus did die for me on that cross many, many years ago. And all of my sins have been taken care of, even the sins I've done now. No other sacrifice is needed. Just what Jesus did that, that one time in history, once for all, for me. I don't need an intermediary for me to go to Jesus and say, forgive me. 
I can go to him just as we tell our children. Just say, God, forgive me. And God forgives. Catholic Church is different. The Catholic Church actually believes that the bread becomes the body of Christ. And the wine actually is the blood of Jesus. They use the Aristotelian distinction of form and matter, or form and substance. They say, look, the form itself is still a wafer and still wine. Phenomenologically, or from the outside, it looks like bread, it looks like wine, it tastes like bread, it tastes like wine. But there's a transformation in its essence, a spiritual transformation, where it actually becomes the body of Jesus and the wine, the, sorry, the blood of Jesus himself. And what's it, why is that important for the Catholic Church? The Catholic Church believes that when Jesus died that one time, it wasn't enough. Let me say that again. The death of Jesus 2,000 years ago on that cross is not enough to forgive you and not enough to grant you a relationship with Jesus. It's not enough. But that each time that you sin against the Lord, you need the blood of Jesus to forgive you. Where can I get that blood of Jesus? Where can I get the body of Christ? Right here in what they call, not communion, but the Eucharist. You need to receive the body and the blood of Jesus all over again. You're in a state of sin until you take of it all over again. What is this teaching us? It's teaching us that the Old Testament idea of the priesthood is still alive to them. You see, in our denomination and in those who are Protestant, are we called priests or pastors? We're called pastors. We're not called priests. You go to a Catholic church, they're called priests. And they actually sort of follow the Levitical laws, if you read their canon. When the priest has to do the, the words of institution, the priests have to cleanse themselves, just like in the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, the priests would actually have to offer sacrifices to cleanse their hearts so that they can actually offer sacrifices on behalf of the people to cleanse their sins as well. The Catholic Church is the same way. The priests need to cleanse themselves by confession, by works. And then when they give the institution, say the words of the institution to transform this bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, then they can, they can do it and then they can distribute it and people will get blessed. But there's a caveat, just like in the Old Testament. If the, if the, if the Catholic priest heart is not pure, then his words of institution will not work. Let me say that again. If the Catholic priest confesses, does the works that he needs to cleanse himself, and then comes and does mass for the people, the percentage of which his heart has actually been pure is the percentage of which you will be blessed. 
and you'll be forgiven. But the question is, as, as all of us know, hopefully, is uh, when are we ever pure? When can we ever, when can that priest in the Catholic Mass have a heart that's 100% pure, that when he says the words of institution, that actually becomes the body and blood of Christ to bless the people? And how will we ever know what percentage of God's blessing or forgiveness that we receive? We, we don't. They don't. This is the, a, a backwards way of thinking. And the unbiblical way of thinking. If you go to a Catholic church, what is center is the Eucharist. And because it's actually the body and blood of Christ, if you are a devout Catholic, every time you pass it, you will kneel. Because that's Jesus right there. Another reason that we see is, is behind me is a cross. But in the Catholic Church, they have a crucifix. It's not just an artistic decision. In the Protestant faith, we say, as we see in Hebrews, is that after Jesus sacrificed himself once for all, he would have to be with the Lord at the right hand of God. Jesus is not hanging there anymore. Jesus is up in heaven at the right hand of God, declaring glory, interceding on behalf of you. His body is whole, not in little pieces, in little tabernacles all over the world in Catholic masses. The crucifix is there as a reminder to the people that Jesus is being sacrificed them for them over and 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 over again. What happens then? We make a mockery out of Jesus' first sacrifice. And I believe the Catholic Church teaching makes a mockery out of what historically happened once and for all on that cross 2,000 years ago when Jesus died for you. Jesus at the right hand of God. His sacrifice for you has been made perfect. You do not need a priest, an intermediary to go through to access God. Your ticket is simply your faith in Jesus that he has bestowed upon you. The gathering God's people to church is not to receive the special, the body of blood of Jesus. The gathering here is a worship of gratefulness and a worship of God's glory together as God's people. Secondly, when we know that Jesus died for us once and for all, there is perfect freedom for all of us, perfect freedom for all of us to know that we do not need to add to our salvation, that we do not need to keep rep repenting, go, keep repenting, keep cleansing ourselves, and then to receive 
this sacrifice over and over again. We know that Jesus died for us with our sins. We know that God has died for us perfectly. And that there is no barrier for us to come to Jesus ever. In the Old Testament, who were the ones who could come close to God physically? Only the priests. And even amongst the priests, who could go to the, the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctum? Only the chief priest. In the Old Testament, proximity meant emotional and personal closeness to God. The Catholic Church as well. But for you and for me, we are proximately close to Jesus because as Hebrews teaches, the Holy Spirit lives in us and testifies to us that we belong to him. So today, as we take communion, when you confess your sins, know that he hears you directly. And so just confess them. Number two, you do not need a priest to intercede to say you're forgiven or not forgiven. You do not need someone to say, I need to sacrifice Jesus for you all over again for you to be forgiven. All you need to do is claim what God has promised. I am forgiven in my sins. That Jesus loves me. And that I can move forward in him. Brothers and sisters, this doctrine of Christ dying once for all It's important, and it's almost one of the foundations of our faith. We are not here to abuse it. We're not here to take advantage of him. But we know that when the Spirit resides in us, that our hearts respond in purity and thankfulness, our hearts respond in praise and adoration to him who has given all things to us. Praise be to our God. Praise be to our Jesus who has given everything to us. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you once again. There is no one like you. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless this church, Lord God. We ask of you, Lord, that your spirit would tabernacle live with each and every one of us uniting us to you through your holy spirit to know that we belong to you that we've been forgiven by you and loved by you in christ's name we pray amen